mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Findlay City Schools teachers and staff being trained this week on Safe Defend. An active shooter alert system that is the first of its kind to be implemented in Ohio will learn more. Also this morning, first the Christmas week weather issues. Now a system-wide failure leaves airlines grounded. Is this further evidence of a vulnerable and outdated system? You have one last chance to enroll for insurance coverage in 2023 through the healthcare.gov exchange, but the final deadline is approaching this weekend. And happening around town, St. Mark's United Methodist Church is partnering with the Tim Tebow Foundation to present a night to shine for those with special needs. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, January 12, 2023. So this was good news to hear and just amazing, the miracles of modern medicine. Damar Hamlin is out of the hospital. It was a week and a half ago that he literally died on the football field. I mean, he went into cardiac arrest. He had no pulse. Had to give him CPR. Had to shock him. Had to revive him uh, twice. Administer shock, uh, I guess, twice to get his heart started again. And a week and a half later, he's out of the hospital. Um, That is just amazing to me. Continues his recovery. Um, and apparently somebody asked, is he going to be, is he going to be activated anytime soon? Is he going to be able to uh, play football again? Uh, it's a little too early to know that, but, uh, he is out of the hospital. Doctors said Hamlin could be safely discharged to continue his rehabilitation at home. Uh, that is just, uh, amazing to me that, uh, uh, prayers for a continued speedy recovery for, uh, DeMar Hamlin. That was maybe the best news. We had uh, had yesterday. Uh, what else is uh, going on here? Oh, um, speaking of uh, happiness, check this out. Uh, it appears, and this is according to a new study out of the Ohio State University, a little kindness goes a long way. Uh, this is something that I think most of us inherently know anyway, but now we have scientific Evidence. A new study from the Ohio State University shows that performing good deeds can lead to a notable improvement in one's mental health. The study examined 122 people living in the state of Ohio with moderate to severe symptoms of depression, anxiety, and stress. Participants were split into three groups. Group number one engaged in social activities group number two kept uh, well engaged well, let's try that again um group number one engaged in social activities group number two kept records of their feelings group number three engaged in acts of kindness and while all three groups saw improvement in their mental health um those who engaged in social activities those who basically journaled and those who engaged in acts of kindness While all three saw improvements in mental health, the good deeds group felt more connected to others than either of the other two groups. The co-author of the study, David Craig, says they conclude social connection is one of the ingredients of life most strongly associated with well-being. Performing acts of kindness seems to be one of the best ways to promote those connections. Do something nice for someone today, 
and uh, it will uh, come back to you threefold. What is that? Is that saying something to those effect? I think that is uh, is further proof. Yes, I like that story. Do something nice for somebody today. Get a lot out of it yourself. Uh, so speaking of good news, the Girl Scouts have announced a new cookie flavor. It is Girl Scout cookie time. Do you realize that? It is Girl Scout cookie time and a new cookie flavor this year called Raspberry Rally. It is similar to the Thin Mints, uh, but with raspberry. It is only available online. So when the Girl Scouts come knocking on your door, don't ask for the Raspberry Rally. They will not be selling it and the door-to-door thing, they're going to be selling it online only, and uh, that is, the they say, the organization, the organization says, it's only available online in order to help Girl Scouts learn e-commerce skills. So, Raspberry Rally, thin mints but with raspberry, Girl Scout cookie season underway running through April. And I always, I've said this uh, before, it is one of my uh, favorite times of the year because um, you know that Spring is coming. You know, when the Girl Scouts start knocking on on my door uh, and I order the cookies, I know I'm going to get them uh, about the time the weather starts breaking. So I can look start to look forward to spring when I uh, start when we start to talk Girl Scout cookies. That's one of those uh, one of those spring will eventually be here. Uh, did you have you been uh, paying attention to all of this uh, weather out in California? Speaking of the weather and uh, spring coming eventually, is it crazy weather out in California? All of the uh, rain, the mudslides, um, the high winds that are bringing trees down and the saturated ground and and so on, uh, toppling huge trees. Crazy uh, story. Man in California nearly crushed this week by an enormous boulder that plunged off a hillside in Malibu and smashed his car just moments after he was able to get out. Uh, The uh, rock was the size of the entire hood of the car, and uh, photos of the vehicle show the rock landed right on top of the vehicle, right where he had been sitting until he got out of his car to answer a phone call. I mean, how fortunate is that? He said, I was in the driver's seat. I walked out, got a call, ran back inside, came out, and the car was totaled. He said uh, he's thankful to be alive, but a little traumatized by the entire ordeal. The uh, debris spread across four lanes of traffic. Another car was also damaged in the rock slide. No one was hurt, miraculously, but that could have had a uh, much worse uh, ending. A couple of people uh, are safe in the Bay Area. After a 60-foot tree fell on their car while they were inside, before the tree fell, it uh, got got caught up on some uh, bus lines, blew out the car's sunroof. City officials are telling residents to prepare and have a disaster plan. They also remind residents uh, to call authorities to report down trees, flooding, landslides, so on and so forth. But uh, that is crazy. 60-foot tree falls on the car while you're inside and somehow you survive. And uh, here is a a crazy story out of California with all of those uh, mudslides and flooding down trees and all of that. 
Uh, Maurice Hineo said his girlfriend may have saved his life. This is a report from KABC Television. Uh, Mr. Hineo could have been crushed by a rock slide if his girlfriend had not forgotten her bag in his home. Uh, it says, as he walked across the Pacific Coast Highway to get to his vehicle, his lady friend called him and said, uh, I, I need you to do me a favor. He said, my girlfriend called me and said, can you get my bag that I left at your house? So he turned around, went back inside, and as soon as he got in the, in the house, he heard a rumbling outside his door. Um, he knew instantly it was a rock slide because they have a very distinct <laughs> sound. And they do have rock slides out there from time to time, so they know what it sounds like. He knew exactly what it was. He went back outside to see a giant boulder had completely crushed his car and uh, came to a stop at the same spot he had been standing just moments earlier before his girlfriend called. Uh, he said it could have killed someone. He feels he was uh, part of, he said it was like uh, being part of a Final Destination movie. Um, he said, but I'm thinking maybe I should just go out and play the lotto at this point. That's just amazing stories coming out of uh, California, so... In any event, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your tu- uh, Thursday morning. So I was almost said it was uh, Tuesday. I don't want it to be Tuesday. Let's go back and do the entire week all over again. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It's going to be a rainy day with a high of 48. Rain showers switching over to snow overnight, a low of 31. Troopers with the Ohio State Highway Patrol were able to locate a missing child and get her return home safely. The Highway Patrol received a bolo be on the lookout for a car transporting an endangered child from Marysville, Michigan. Troopers from the Wapakoneta Post located the vehicle and pulled it over in Auglaize County, and the missing child was found in the vehicle. Well, we're here to help you, okay, babe? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get your mom over here. We're gonna we're gonna take care of you, okay? Okay. All right. The Highway Patrol says the suspect was taken into custody and the child was safely returned home. See video on the website. While nobody won the Mega Millions jackpot worth more than a billion dollars, a few people did win a whole lot of money. There were still some big winners in Ohio. Two people won the Match 5 game, winning tickets sold in Upper Sandusky and in Marysville. They're walking away with $1 million. So you still have a shot at the big prize. The next drawing is Friday night at 11. Still plenty of time for the jackpot to get even bigger. ONN's Dave Chadowski reporting. Finley City School students will be getting some days off. The school district says there will be no school today, tomorrow, or on Monday. Today and tomorrow are staff training days, and Monday the 16th is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The school district says one of those staff training days will involve the new safe defense system that was recently installed in district buildings. The school district says all teachers and staff will receive training on the new Safe Defend Active Shooter Protection System on Friday. Get more on that new system on our website. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation has announced its Fun for All series, which is a series of free events happening in January, February, and March. The foundation said they've heard time and time again that finding affordable, family-friendly activities is a challenge in Hancock County, so they created the Fun for All series to help bridge that gap. The first event, Family Movie Day, is happening on Saturday at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Monsters Incorporated will be shown at 2 p.m., 
Other events in the Fun for All series include a free skate day at the Cube and a free play day at the Children's Museum. You can check out the full schedule on our website. The Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center in Findlay is holding its annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Unity Walk this weekend. The walk will begin at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon at the Church of the Living God at 701 North Main Street. Get more details on the walk on our website. Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, as you are probably already aware, Findlay City School students have a few extra days off this week, in part because teachers and staff are being trained on a new active shooter alert system that is the first of its kind to be implemented in the state of Ohio. And joining us this morning with more on what the Safe Defend system is and how it works are Interim Superintendent Krista Kreitz-Miller, School Board President, Finley Fire Department Battalion Chief Matt Cooper, and Lieutenant Andrew Welch of the Finley Police Department. And Krista, let me start with you. I guess it uh, kind of goes without saying how sad it is that something like this is even necessary, but in this day and age, uh, the minimum requirement of schools is doing everything possible uh, to make sure that uh, you're prepared for any kind of a violent incident, right? That is correct, and, and we've talked a lot about that. We've talked a lot about that with our staff as, as we enter our, our professional training tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our, our goals at Finley City Schools is providing academic excellence, opportunities, and belonging, but now we have to be intentional and put on the forefront and acknowledge school safety. And as we said, uh, Findlay City Schools will be the first district in Ohio to implement the Safe Defend system. And I guess uh, for uh, Kristen, for Matt, uh, as you, uh, for you as well, how did you learn about this uh, system and what sold you on it? Sure. So uh, we took a, a deliberate step in evaluating where we were at with safety and then with my experience as a battalion chief and working with Lieutenant Welch, we've had a you know the frequency of high risk events um, increased in Hancock County alone. So mm-hmm. we started evaluating different things that we could use here that would help us and what we're doing behind the scenes. And Safe Defend provides the complete package for what we're looking for. So the way I understand it, uh, I guess people can kind of think about this uh, sort of like the fire alarm boxes that you see, um, not just in schools, but everywhere, uh, where you see these at at various places where you pull the lever to sound the alarm. It kind of works the the same way? Um, Similar but different, I guess, is a good way to describe it because, and I'll let Lieutenant Welch speak about the information that they get off of an activation, but a fire alarm for us, you know, you, you can pull, anybody can pull a fire alarm, anybody can, you know, create a false alarm environment. This yeah. system doesn't allow that to happen because only the people that are enrolled in the system can activate it. So our students can't activate it. Gotcha. So even if they feel like they want to, you know, test the system, they can't. Okay. And the information that is put out is very accurate and detailed to where the threat is actually at, which is a, you know, Big difference from a 911 call because it takes some time to get information out of a 911 caller, let alone get somebody to call 911 yeah. to give accurate, detailed information. Well, that that actually is uh, maybe one of the, the first things that I thought of, and I'm sure that others uh, have thought before, um, in an age where everyone has a cell phone in their pocket at all times, uh, is this that much better than just calling 911? So we're not looking to use it to replace the 911 call. Um, obviously, that's still going to provide us a valuable piece of information. Mm-hmm. What it's going to do is it's going to remove the human element out of the process. When you think of the 911 call, you got to kind of think of it in a flowchart perspective. 
you have to have somebody recognize that there's an event going on, that there's mm-hmm. a need for 911 to be called. Mm-hmm. Then you have to make sure that somebody makes that call. That call is answered by a dispatcher, and the information received by the dispatcher is then translated into there's a concern, we need to get officers out. So that period of time, um, it, even if it's just a couple minutes, a couple minutes is a very long time in an active shooter situation. So essentially what this um, box is going to do for us is it's going to eliminate the notification process. It's going to be a single but, button response, mm-hmm. and it's going to allow the officer to receive a location within a specific school and a, a quick way to respond to it immediately. So that, again, uh, speak a little bit to the uh, technology and the sort of information that you then will receive when uh, one of these uh, alerts is Activated. So officers enrolled in the uh, messages that they'll receive from the school will get the teacher that activated the box, the location within which school, specific school it is, and the nearest uh, doorway for us to make entry into to be mm. very quick and effective in uh, neutralizing the threat. So uh, a lot of uh, pertinent information that's available immediately that can help law enforcement with a with a quick response. Yes, very quick, um, very precise information that's going to allow us to immediately respond on duty and off duty. And is this is this solely for active shooter situations or are there other applications as well where it could be used when outside assistance is needed? We're intending only for an active threat that could be life-threatening. And I, I want to back up and touch on the notification just a second because currently, as it stands without Safe Defend, the only people that will get notified of an incident at a school will be on-duty personnel. Mm. We've brought different entities to the table to enroll them, OSP, HSO. So if you're off-duty and live across the street from the school, you're going to get the same text as whether you, if you were on the street working at that particular time. So we're mm. talking about... When you look at an active shooter response to a school, it's not just Finley Police and Fire. It's OSP, it's HSO, it's Life Flight, it's the hospital. It's all these entities are getting enrolled, so everybody gets that notification immediately. So it's not just, like you asked, how does it change the response? It changes the response exponentially because everybody's getting the same information at the same time, mm-hmm. including off-duty people. Yeah. Um, at the same time, and I want to... Uh make sure we point this out it's not a checks and balances sort of thing we have seen a couple of incidences of swatting here locally and and around the state um if if you get a 911 call saying that something there there's an incident going on uh, going on but but this hasn't been activated does that serve as any kind of a, a check or something that you would consider to as kind a, of figure out whether or not this is a hoax or if it's real? We're going to treat it like it's real. Yeah. But as an emergency responder, you know, a lot of times we can tell if something's actually happening based on multiple calls or multiple notifications of that event. Mm-hmm. Take a house fire or, you know, a situation that they may be dealing with. Usually there's multiple calls that come on top of that. With Safe Defend, if, if we receive a 911 call and then Safe Defend is activated, we know for sure something's happening. Right. Um, but we're not going to treat the incident any differently if Safe Defend's not activated. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if, on a certain level, this might act as a bit of a deterrent. Uh, Absolutely it is. And, and, you know, we're prepared, and I think if you're a parent in the district like I am who want your kids and expect your kids to be protected the best way possible, if you drive around school buildings today, we're making changes even to room number identification for law enforcement to respond. Hmm. So there's more going on behind the scenes that 
people just don't see like safe defense great you can see it we understand it we're explaining it to people but this, the things that are going on behind the scenes should provide a level of comfort to our community of what we're doing to protect kids because we're we're working together on response plans we're pre pre-planning responses to every school whose responsibilities are what right and then you take a look at the school and the identification process the numbering of doors is very specific to a law enforcement response and the numbering of classrooms from windows and I, I would like Lieutenant Welsh to talk about 911 calls for school incidents because not everybody knows room numbers. So with Safe Defend, it takes out whose classroom it is and puts a room number on it that mm -hmm. they can identify on, on approach. Yeah, I guess that's one of those things that we don't really think about. But when you give some thought to it, you know, the responding officers are not going to know where Mrs. Smith's class and is. And that was one of the biggest problems we were getting from teachers or anybody within a school making a call is yeah. the faculty and staff don't refer to it as room 213. Right. It's Mrs. Warren's room yeah. or Mr. Clark's room, things like that. Right. That means nothing to law enforcement making that sure. response. Yeah. So by implementing that safe defense system it's going to give us that tangible number that we can reference and with those outside um, markings and postings that we've put to allow us that quick recognition from the outside of the building and knowing which entry door to use it's going to make that uh, searching process much much more effective for and us. And as you were saying, uh, it's it's not just anyone who can activate this. It's only those uh, who are authorized to do so. Hence the training that will be going on uh, here over the next couple of days, right? That is correct. And one thing I'd like to follow up on <clears throat> from the law enforcement point of view, the pinpointed response is very critical. But from the educators' point of view, under the former system and the system I think is currently in place in a lot of schools. You have your level one, your level two, your level three, and you know how to respond. Mm -hmm. If we're at a level three emergency, I know that I have to do something with my classroom, but I don't have the knowledge of whether I'm supposed to run, hide, or fight. I'm having to make a decision with no information. Now, a teacher is going to be able to get a text because that will also alert the educator, and the educator is going to know where the threat is, and then that response mm. will trigger our response. So we are making an educated decision, which is an educator's point of view and is a, a lover of teacher and kids, and I yeah. want them safe. That is, that is an exponential improvement to making a decision to keep So it benefit safe. not only to the law enforcement Absolutely. response, but internally as yeah. well. And and, and it's a it's a major benefit to them because they're going to get accurate real-time information yep. the same information law enforcement's getting so if you're uh, across a building somewhere you can make the decision that you can create some distance and evade them you know now we're in a lockdown situation when a threat's inside of a building we're trying to eliminate that a little bit mm -hmm. but also district-wide this is big district-wide because a lot of resources are being dumped to one particular school in that event. So administrators across the district will get the same text, which means they need to go into lockdown. So we're securing the entire district with a touch of a button. Yeah. Uh, and these, uh, this is a system that will be implemented district-wide. It's not just like at the high school. District-wide. District-wide. And uh, real quickly, have you, because this is the, this is the first school in Ohio that uh, has implemented the Safe Defense system, have you fielded inquiries from, from other districts uh, who, you know, yes. want to know how this system works or, you know, come in and learn more about it, that kind of thing? Yep. There'll be some superintendents some from some counties tomorrow mm. coming to watch what we're doing so we, we've had quite a few people reach out like like Krista said there'll be some here tomorrow that will be viewing and observing uh, in a confidential capacity and then in addition to that there's quite a few directors of operations that are meeting with safe defense today in our district and having lunch and talking about what that system means for for our district and how it could apply to theirs so we've had quite a few reach out in Ohio quite a few from 
different areas of Ohio that have actually reached out to Safe Defense since we've announced because they understand what we're doing here and the value that we're we're putting on it. Again, uh, working to make uh, schools safer, Krista Kreitz-Miller, again, uh, the interim superintendent of the Finley City Schools, uh, board president, Finley Fire Department, Battalion Chief Matt Cooper, Lieutenant Andrew Welch of the uh, Finley Police Department. Thanks very much for uh, coming in and uh, breaking all this down for us. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Well, as we were mentioning uh, earlier, we're alluding to this is a tough time to be an airline executive <laughs> these days. That is, that is one job that I would not want uh, right about now. No sooner did things get back to normal after the weather threw everyone for a loop over the Christmas holiday, but then yesterday, a massive computer system failure led to a complete halt of air travel for a time. One of the big lines, the narratives in the reporting on this is the first full ground stop, full, first full grounding of the airline since 9-11. I mean, everywhere in the country, the planes were grounded for a few hours. Um, Ken Jenkins is an aviation consultant and former manager of emergency response for American Airlines. And yesterday, just as those systems were starting to come back online, we spoke to him about this latest glitch in the system. Not the same kind of ripple effect that we saw a few weeks ago, and fortunately the system was back online within a few hours, but still, I think I heard something like 5,000 flights delayed. What exactly was this system that failed? Well, you're right, and, and it does bring back memories of the last couple of weeks, doesn't it? Um, so the system that failed is called NOTAM, and NOTAM is Notice to um, Air Missions. It's, a good way to, to think about it is it's like a messaging system to pilots. And what it does is it provides information regarding flight plans and areas. Um, one, one way to look at it is it may provide information on areas to avoid. Okay. So, for example, if you're, fl- if you're flying between point A and point B, and somewhere along that route there's a military base and they're conducting a military exercise, they may have airspace that is blocked and you need to divert around that airspace. And OTAM is going to provide some of that information for you to let you know to avoid that so you can fly, um, plan your flight plan accordingly. It gets also into other things like building construction, particularly high-rises where you have those red blinking lights on the top of the building. Mm-hmm. That's to indicate there's a, a high structure here. You know, Obviously, you want to avoid that. So if those lights are not working or there's something not working at an airport, for example, um, to help guide the pilots, that's going to be listed in the NOTAM. Mm. So it's, a, it's an excellent communication tool. It helps with the flight planning. It's not the only tool though, that contributes to the flight planning, but it's a significant piece of it. So how much of this uh, is considered an operational system uh, as opposed to a safety uh, system? I mean, I'm assuming that there were planes in the air when this system failed. Were those flights at risk in any way? No, the flights in the air were not at risk. They would have had their 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 uh, NOTAM briefing, if you want to call it that, before they even departed. I see. And then there are routine updates that happen during the course of the flight that that still take place. So that's why the the FAA at this point, when the system did not work or it failed, um, I've stopped using the word crash because it has such a negative connotation. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, when the, when the, when the system fails, they they asked for a ground stoppage and, and no more departures um, until the system was up and running again. 
So, like the weather, this initially affected all the airlines, but as we know, one in particular had a complete meltdown a few weeks ago. Is this something that would disproportionately impact one carrier over another in terms of getting back up and running? Not necessarily, not in terms of what we saw last week. The, the number where you'll see the number variance is, of course, the larger the airline, potentially the larger the number of delays. Right. Um, so that's certainly going to be a factor. Um, for, for the aviation folks out there that like to follow this kind of stuff, you can go to flightaware.com and you can track the number of cancellations and you can look at it by airport and you can also look at it by airline. And what's been interesting for me to watch and, and flight aware today is the number of cancellations that have occurred. And in addition to that, the number of delays. Yeah. You had mentioned the ripple earlier, and, and that ripple could last throughout the course of the day. I'm, I'm sure it will last throughout the course of the day. It could go into tomorrow as well. But we're not going to see anything like what we saw a few weeks ago. Now, uh, it's reported that this was just a good old-fashioned computer crash, again, to use a term that uh, the airline industry doesn't usually like to use. But, uh, but it's no. not, it doesn't appear that it was an act of sabotage or hacking. But does it expose a vulnerability that we need to be concerned about in that respect? Well, we don't know that yet. Um, that, that's that's the, one of the key things is we don't know if it exposed a vulnerability or was it just a glitch in an upgrade to the system last night. We, we don't know. Um, so what will happen now is the system's up and running again is that there'll be an after-action investigation that will look into what caused the system to fail and were there fail-safes in place that should have prevented it from failing. If there mm -hmm. weren't, then what systems do you create to prevent it? Anytime you have, of course, you have technology and it's going to be coupled with a human being that has to do some type of programming, there's always that possibility for human error. So the, the goal is to mitigate the risk as low as possible so that it doesn't happen again. What I hope that you and I are going to see and, and everybody that's listening is that we'll have full transparency from the FAA and the Department of Transportation as yeah. to what happened and what they're going to do to try to prevent it from happening again. And the reason I ask this is because it brings up the larger question, especially in the wake of uh, what we saw, particularly with Southwest Airlines uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about outdated technology. Does this say anything about the fragility of the system as a whole? Are we behind in updating and upgrading the technology that the air travel industry relies on? And, and that is a possibility, certainly within the FAA, as a legacy agency, if you want. I see legacy meaning it's been well established for years, um, and that's something that they're going to have to take into account when they do this investigation. Is it something where they need to upgrade equipment as well? Yeah, because um, they're certainly not immune to having failures, as we just saw, um, and as one of the air carriers saw a few weeks ago with their system. Um, it's time to upgrade. So it's not as though the whole system is held together with chewing gum and chicken wire here. No, not, not, not although that's a, that's a very interesting visual. Um, yeah. That's not the case. Again, uh, Ken Jing no, is thankfully, because again, because yeah. millions of people you know, walk down a jet bridge every year and step on board an airplane and assume that it's you know, going to be safe and you know, that they're going to, you know, it's the highest uh, you know, level of technology. Uh, so again, a little reassurance when something like this happens is always a good thing. No, well, we're good to go and, and, and I'm good to fly. So every, I hope everybody else feels that way too. We have a very good system. It's very robust, typically redundant systems built in. 
um, on occasion, you have something like what happened today. I don't want to downplay it. It was very significant. Right. Um, but I, I but, guarantee it's going to be examined and scrutinized. But in the larger sense, I mean, the system, you know, things work the way it was supposed to. When, you know, uh, you have a system failure, uh, then you implement the ground stop. You go through all of the uh, procedures. And so in that sense, you know, it actually worked the way it was supposed to. You're exactly right, Chris. Yeah. And, and another way to look at it is we've not seen this happen before. So that gives a, a good a good um, look back, if you will, at yeah. how effective the system has been. That doesn't mean it can't be improved on. Right. Hopefully that's what they're going to do now. Yeah. Again, Ken Jenkins, aviation consultant, former manager of emergency response for American Airlines with us this morning. Ken, thanks very much for taking the time and appreciate your insight. You're more than welcome, Chris. Thank you, sir. Well, you may remember back before the end of the year, we were talking about the enrollment deadline for the healthcare.gov exchange for coverage that would start on the first of the year. Well, if you missed that deadline, you have one more chance to sign up. With us once again is Dr. LaShawn McKeever, Director of the Office of Minority Health at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. One more chance and one final chance to sign up for coverage this year, right, Dr. McKeever? This is absolutely, positively, unequivocally it. Yes. So the marketplace open enrollment period at healthcare.gov is ending on January 15th. So only a few short days away. And people who need health insurance will have until January 15th to make changes to or select new plan plans for coverage starting on February 1st. Okay, so uh, the uh, this weekend, this Sunday, is the absolute drop-dead deadline uh, for coverage this year. And I know we, uh, again, went over this a, a few weeks ago, but for the benefit of those who missed it uh, or need to be reminded, what is new this year? What do people need to know? Due to the new law, more people continue to qualify for financial assistance at healthcare.gov people will be able to find more affordable health insurance plans that can help cover things like doctor's visits, preventive services, prescription drugs, and more. And also new this year, if you need assistance signing up, we have expanded local help options in communities. So you can visit healthcare.gov and select the find local help option to learn more. And you mentioned uh, financial assistance is available to make this more affordable. With that in mind, and I know there are a lot of different uh, variables here, but uh, generally speaking, to give people an idea, what does that translate to? What should someone uh, expect to have to pay in terms of premiums? Well, what you pay is based on your age, your family size, your income, and where you live. So, um, for example, in Toledo, a single 30-year-old woman making, say, $30,000 a year can find six plans under $10. Wow. And a family of four whose parents are 40 years old and make $66,000 a year can find five plans for under $10. So if, you know, if anyone is in need of health insurance, this financial help that is available is an important part of helping people um, access the health insurance that they need. Now, I can hear some folks saying, okay, this is all great. Uh, maybe people who have signed up uh, in years past, uh, the easiest thing to do is just sort of uh, let that ride and sign up for the same plan for the coming year. Uh, why is that not maybe the best 
or necessarily the best uh, thing to do. Why would I need to go in and investigate all my options if I already have a plan that I've been using, I've been satisfied with, and so on? Well, every year, health plan options change in costs and coverage and participating providers, which is why it's important for um, customers with plans to come back to healthcare.gov to compare plans as they may find something that better meets their needs. Also, people should update their information in their application. As their situation changes, the assistance they receive may change too. And again, all of this uh, can be done through the healthcare.gov website, right? In terms of uh, researching your options, signing up, applying for financial assistance that may be available, all of that all in one spot, correct? Yes. Individuals can go to healthcare.gov, even if they've previously enrolled in healthcare um, coverage through healthcare.gov. Um, also, if someone needs help filling out their applications, I talked about the local assistance, mm-hmm. but you can also call our Marketplace Call Center, and that number is 1-800-318-2596, and we provide assistance in 200 languages. The Marketplace Call Center is open 24 hours a day seven and seven days a week. And, you know, as I mentioned, you can um, find local assisters and or agent, uh, agents or brokers in your area by visiting healthcare.gov and selecting the find local help option. But again, to reemphasize the point, uh, January 15th, which is this coming Sunday, is the deadline to sign up for coverage this year. So uh, do not miss this deadline if you are not covered yet. Again, uh, Dr. LaShawn McKeever is director of the Office of Minority Health at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Dr. McKeever, uh, thanks once again for the uh, reminder this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And now an update on the odd and unusual side of the news. And this is just (laughs) adding insult to injury. A snowboarder. This is in Austria. International file, the uh, broken news. It's actually, by the way, it's kind of a light day for uh, broken news uh, today. But this is what we have. An 18-year-old snowboarder uh, was uh, riding up the uh, ski lift at an Australia uh, Australian uh, ski resort. I got the, the tow line, right? So he's uh, on, the, uh, on the tow line going up the hill when he lost his grip and <laughs> accidentally let go uh and plowing into multiple skiers behind him <laughs> lost his grip on the tow rope and plowed into a bunch of skiers behind him it was a real mess video footage uploaded uh to social media shows skiers attempting and failing to avoid tripping over the snowboarder uh who only gains momentum as he's uh sliding back down the hill but instead of sticking around to make sure everyone was okay the uh, teen snowboarder allegedly just glided away from the scene. He got to the <laughs> to the bottom and just kept on going. I'm going to put my head down and try and sneak off. Um, but he was uh, soon located and detained uh, by officers. He's been arrested. Uh, they d- doesn't say whether he's actually going to face charges, but <laughs> that is uh, that's just cold adding insult to injury i mean that's that's embarrassing something like that happened but then to be arrested for it 
They take their skiing seriously in Austria, let me tell you. Uh, let's see here. What else is going on in the uh, <laughs> broken news? Just going to have a uh, comical scene. You could be in trouble with the law. Uh, this from Canada, another uh, international uh, story. Uh, about a bird that has run afoul of the law, no pun intended, a pigeon detained last month at a Canadian jail after being caught uh, trying to sneak some meth into the jailhouse. Uh, caught trying to sneak drugs. The pigeon was, uh, the bird was wearing a backpack <laughs> filled with drugs captured near the Pacific Institution Correctional Facility in Vancouver. According to corrections officer John Randall, quote, my initial reaction was shock. He said, uh, due to advances in technology and drone detecting, it was surprising to see the smugglers go old school. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> A backpack full of drugs on this pigeon. Yeah. Uh, again, just weird. Just weird is the only way to describe it. Have you ever hurt yourself uh, doing something mundane, something that you do every day, but you, you know, do something in just the right way and, and you end up hurting yourself or just the wrong way? And you, you, this is uh, out of uh, Missouri, and I'm not sure exactly where in Missouri. Father... Uh, father of four in Missouri, Joel Hentrick, uh, took up pickleball a few years ago and uh, as a way of getting a little more exercise and, and all of that. Uh, really uh, enjoyed the game, so he started playing more and more. He's won a few tournaments uh, with his brother as his partner. But back in at the end of November, something unexpected happened. The 35-year-old father of four tore a neck artery after he, as he turned his head to uh, track the ball. Uh, Mr. Hendrick said, I was just playing, you know, pickleball. I do it all the time. Turned my head and felt a pop in the back of my neck. About two minutes after it happened, I was having to be helped over to the bench uh, being supported because I couldn't stand on my own. Turns out he tore an artery. In his neck. In addition to that, he ended up suffering multiple strokes as a result. Fortunately, it looks like he's going to make a full recovery, and he vows to continue playing pickleball. But all he did was turn his head. It's just weird. Um, that's a strange story. Isn't it? Don't hear too many about too many pickleball injuries. Uh, but there you go. Uh, let's see here. And I had this story, uh, which I thought was uh, kind of eyebrow raising. Researchers at UC San Diego say that uh, emergency rooms are seeing a huge influx in the number of stoned senior citizens. <laughs> number of stoned seniors. Uh Older folks visiting emergency rooms for cannabis-related issues in unprecedented numbers. Researchers say that in 2005, and again, this is UC San Diego, so they were looking specifically at, 
and statistics in California. But in 2005, 366 Californians over the age of 65 visited the ER for a cannabis-related concern. By 2019, that figure had skyrocketed to nearly uh, that figure had skyrocketed nearly 3,200 percent when over 12,000 seniors had to make trips to the emergency room for a cannabis-related issue. Dr. Benjamin Hahn, a uh, geriatrician who authored the study, says many patients assume they are not going to have adverse side effects from cannabis because they don't view it as seriously as they would a prescription drug since it is uh, being uh, decriminalized and normalized and, and all of that. But they are quick to point out that this can have... Uh, interactions with other medications, and it is uh, something that you still have to be very careful with. <laughs> wow! Uh, what is it? Thirty-five or a, uh, yeah, thirty-two hundred percent increase in the number of stoned senior citizens going <laughs> to ER uh, rooms. So beware. There you go. Some of the uh, odd and unusual uh, news items here. Uh, Today's broken news report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser... You have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A new survey of 2,000 adults finds that 65% of us have ended a romantic relationship because of an ick. Uh, which is slang for a trait in another person that turns them off, an ick. 88% of those say they have ghosted someone completely because of one of these annoying habits. 15% have called it quits with a romantic interest because they were obsessed with star signs. (laughs) 14% have ended a relationship with someone who clapped when a plane landed. (laughs) That is kind of annoying. (laughs) People clap when a plane lands. One-eighth of the men in the survey, 14%, would break it off with someone who wanted to share food on a first date. So don't do that, ladies. That is an ick. 16% of women say wearing a tacky watch is an ick. So don't do that, guys. Uh, 15% judge someone else for referring to their favorite sports team as if they were actually part of the team. You know, we lost the big game or we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Who is this we that we're talking about? I'm interesting. The study was commissioned by the dating site Seeking and conducted by one poll found that uh, simply smelling bad is the top ick, body odor, the top ick. 24% of those surveyed said that's a deal breaker, and I'm surprised it was only 24%. You'd think it'd be even higher than that. Uh, the second biggest ick was pretending to be more knowledgeable about something than a person really is. We all know somebody who is like that, has to be the smart, smartest person in the room. 
And then number three on the list, 21% say being rude to a waiter at a restaurant is a big ick that could learn uh, that could lead to breaking off a relationship. So next time you're out on a date, beware of those icks. So happening around town here in just a few weeks, St. Mark's United Methodist Church is partnering with the Tim Tebow Foundation to present a night to shine for those with special needs. And joining us this morning are Dave Charles and Pastor Dan Metzger from St. Mark's. And uh, gentlemen, thank you both for uh, dropping by. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation, everybody knows uh, Tim Tebow uh, and uh, the foundation is his charitable uh, organization they put these types of events these events on um in a number of uh communities talk about how you connected with uh the tim tivo foundation to launch this yeah we actually were nominated by somebody in the community who oh, okay. knew that we um had the right kind of space and the kind of people that would get behind an event like this mm-hmm. and uh, then the tim tivo foundation invited us to apply and uh, they selected us to be the site here in Hancock County in this area that is uh, awesome. to be able to host this. Yeah, yeah. So it's really great. It is terrific. So talk about what uh, a Night to Shine is. Well, it's a prom for those with special needs, mm-hmm. uh, ages 14 and up. And it's really, I would say, a prom extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> they pull up, there's going to be limo rides for everyone. Uh, there's a paparazzi when they come in the door, a, a red carpet uh, greeting. Then throughout the night, they'll eat and have dancing just like a, a normal prom. There, But we're going to have local celebrities there and that kind of thing. And then on top of that, there is a crowning where everybody is crowned at one point mm. and a special message from Tim Tebow that, of course, will be broadcast but um they'll get a message from him and there's going to be all kinds of things like makeup stations for them to freshen up their makeup a shoe polishing station just a night to really make them shine yeah uh a lot goes into uh all of this it sounds like yeah we've got hundreds of volunteers already uh we do encourage more people to sign up if they want to be volunteers uh the deadline for that is tomorrow uh, to be able to do that because we're doing background checks. We want to make sure everybody is trained sure. and um, and uh, that everybody knows what they're doing. But, yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. Usually uh, groups have uh, something like 10 months to get this figured out. We found out in November that we were going to be doing it. So, uh, And then we had the Christmas season, obviously. It's been a little bit of a rush, but just really thankful for all the people in the community who have pulled together and said we want to put this on and uh, help people uh, really feel special. Yeah, this is uh, one of those uh, types of things that when you go out and and look for folks who can help out with all of these uh, types of things, doesn't really take a whole lot of selling. Uh, oh, the, the community has been so supportive as far as volunteers. Yeah. Every every participant gets a buddy. We've had plenty of buddies sign up. Uh, the outreach of corporations has been wonderful as far as donations and that type of thing. Yes, this is Finley is a very supportive community. So as you mentioned, you're still looking for volunteers who can help out. What would be involved uh, in what do you need people to do? Yeah, there's different things that we need. One of the things, like uh, Dave said, is that we need buddies. Each each person who comes, each one of our honored guests is going to have a buddy partnered up with them. Um, we're, you know, right now, I don't even remember what number we're at, but we're over 50 people who are 
attending uh, already, and, and there's still time to, to sign up through tomorrow. Um, but so we need people to be buddies. We need people to help serve the food and uh, people to just help be the paparazzi and kind of cheer for folks as they're coming in. Yeah. So there's all sorts of different ways that you can uh, participate. You could imagine the setup and ta- tear down too. So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if that's not your thing to show up at a dance, mm-hmm. we'd love to have you help us set up and tear down. Yeah. So any number of ways that uh, folks can get involved. And uh, as you mentioned, obviously uh, you want background checks. You want to make sure that everything is, is safe. So that's why the uh, registration deadline is tomorrow. Right. Registration this. deadline tomorrow for volunteers and to sign up to be a guest. We, we We've got some different things we want to be able to um, have available for folks when they show up. So we just need a little bit of lead time to do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to sign up uh, to either volunteer or to attend, you can go to stmarksfinley.org and there's a tab at the top that says Night to Shine. You can click on that, and uh, there's all the information there for how you can sign up. Yeah, it actually goes to the uh, uh, links up to the uh, Tim Tebow Foundation uh, webpage there where you can learn more yep. uh, about this uh, program. Like we said, this is done all over the uh, the country. So. All over the world. Yeah, actually, all over the world. Yeah. There's there's more than 40 countries where this is happening, wow. and it's all everybody has it on February 10th. So, so it's all on the same, all over the all the same yep. night. Uh, as you mentioned, not just for volunteers, just to reiterate, uh, for those who would like to attend uh, as guests need to uh, register as well. Yeah. Yep. We'd like, uh, if you are a guest who wants to attend, we'd love for you to register by tomorrow. Um, And again, all of that is on our website where you can do that. You can call the church if you have any questions. Um, but uh, yeah, re- registration it, deadline's tomorrow. And it, it's just a, a couple of clicks just to let you know that you know somebody's coming. It's not it, a... The, the form takes less than a minute to okay. fill. All right, very good. Uh, again, the uh, Night to Shine uh, at uh, St. Mark's United Methodist Church. The date is February the 10th? February 10th. February yep. 10th. 6 to 9 o'clock. Okay. Uh, so not a real late night uh, either. No, that's, that's right. Yeah, we're we're getting we're getting older. So nine o'clock. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we've got the link uh, posted at our webpage as well at goodmornings.net if you want to learn more about it. Uh, again, Pastor Dan Metzger and uh, Dave Charles St. Mark's United Methodist Church with us uh, this morning, guys. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having thanks. us. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about. All of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow to finish up the week, more Americans are carrying outstanding balances on their credit cards at a time when the cost of servicing that debt is rising faster than ever. We'll have what consumers need to know that we aren't paying enough attention to. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, Going out and making it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.